The Creek Church is a community of believers located in Fort Worth, Texas. If you would like more information about The Creek Church, please be sure to visit our website at thecreekfw.com. Well, good morning. How are we doing? One of the organizations that we uh, support uh, is No Think Act. They're part of a group called Leadership Africa. And uh, I wanted to be able to give some updates uh, because they, they sent us a video and, and uh, this was a thank you to the, the churches and the, the legacy partners that give into No Think and Act and Leadership Africa. Because when, when you show up at the creek, you're not just showing up. And when you give, you're not just, just giving money. What you're doing is, is you are putting your fingerprints on missions and the gospel around the world. You see, God calls each, each of us to be obedient in our, our tithe and offering. And he calls us as a church as well. And so we give. And one of those areas we give is No Think Act, which is uh, the parent uh, company is, no, is Leadership Africa. And um, they go into Africa and they help resource missions and help resource missionaries so that lives can be changed by the message of the gospel. Lives can be changed uh, by the name of Jesus. And um, you saw one family that was an example. And I, I can tell you that, that there are hundreds and hundreds of stories that come out that I, I probably need to do a better job at, at telling you and sharing with you, but it's, it's incredible. And I was doing some just updates on some of our missions and missions work this week, and I spoke with um, Sebastian Vasquez, Seba. He's our <clears throat> um, missionary in Toronto, and he was giving me an update, and he's actually going to be here in August for a couple weeks, and then he's got to go on a mandatory mandatory furlough for six months, and he'll be here in um, February or March for six months. And uh, he was wanting to give me an update on what we as the Creek invest in, in the lives and, of people and missions in Toronto. And as he was sharing with me, he does a lot of work for U of T, uh, University of Toronto, and uh, has some, some great things going on. But he says what the Creek specifically does for our group and for, for our mission is we have dinners around the city called Eat, Serve, and Love. And he said, we launched those dinners last year with one group. And he said, it was just busy, 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 one group. When I talked to him this week, they have 12 groups that meet around the city. And out of those 12 groups, um, they have spawned off other discipleship where where people who were anti-God are hearing about God and wanting to learn more about him. But what's incredible, out of those 12 groups, two churches have already launched. And another church is going to launch by the time he comes down. So I just wanted to give you an update. So when you, when you give, when you serve, when you do something, we're not just isolated to this little bubble of Fort Worth in the creek. Uh, what you're doing, what God has called us to do, has an impact all over the world. And I love you and I thank you for that. Thank you for being generous because we can be generous with those organizations. Uh, we're, we're one of the legacy partners for No Think and Act which means what's funny, it means we give among the top tier of givers for that organization. So that's not our generosity, that's your generosity. And I want to thank you for that. And um, there's a lot of things going on in missions. We've got a group that's going to Nicaragua in August. So if you want more information, there, there is a meeting tonight uh, that they're going to be talking about some of that stuff. And so uh, incredible things. We want to engage in missions all over the world, but also we do things locally. Every Wednesday during the school year, we have a thing called Kids Beach Club. Pastor Trinity and his team head that up, and it's at a public school campus, Northbrook Elementary, and we're able to go in and after school do a Bible club and, and teach the kids the gospel and, and, and help them understand who Jesus is. We get to do that on a public school campus, 
And so it's an incredible local opportunity. Another one is the first Thursday of the month. We go to Agape Meals, which is at Broadway Baptist Church just south of downtown. And we go and we have dinner and we help serve those who are in need. And so if you're looking for local opportunities, if you're looking for international opportunities, then let let us know. We can help get you connected in that. And then... um, I got to give a shout out. First of all, let me tell you who I am. I'm Pastor Matt. I was so excited to get into this. I'm Pastor Matt. If if this is your first time here, hello, welcome. I I can't come and shake your hand and hug you right now, but I'd love to do that in the lobby after this service. And as Trinity said, there's a connect card in the seat back that I would love for you to fill out and get some information to you about who we are. And you can put that in the giving station on your your way out. Um, But uh, I want to give a shout out this morning to the Dirty Dozen. That's what we named ourselves. We, uh, We men... Went on a camping trip Thursday to yesterday, and uh, it rained all day Friday. It flooded in the campsite. There was water in the tents, but let me tell you, there was a couple things that happened. We ate good, and man, we had some great devotion time. And so I want to say thank you and shout out to all the men. If you didn't get to go, make plans to attend the next one. It was an incredible time of... uh, and God just really getting to work on us. And I know it was raining, but I think, I think God kind of did some, some raining in us, if you know what I mean. And so I needed that time to sit around a campfire with other men and have that, that just that, yes, that man time. I did learn something. I'm not the only pyromaniac in this church. So I'm just saying, um, some of y'all are crazy when it comes to that. But it was a good time. We did have one person catch a trout. Uh, it was 15 inches long, so it was really good. I've got the picture to prove it, um, and it was, it was awesome, awesome time. So shout out to the Dirty Dozen. And Kevin wanted me to remind you, you heard it on the video, but this Friday night's date night. So guys, at tonight, figure out a, a creative way to ask your wife out for Friday night. And we've got childcare that'll happen here. And Pastor Kevin and Marie are going to start, they're going to be sharing just a quick, brief message. And then you go out and you have your date night and you have to come back and pick up your kids. It's not a, not a lock-in for your kids, all right? You know, talk to Trinity about doing one of those with the youth sometime. Uh, anyway, uh, but yeah, Friday night. So and ask your wife out on a date, men, and do it in a creative way and uh, have fun with that. And then next Sunday... Right here at the creek is Q-Fest. I'm ready to get it on. Um, It's going to be awesome. And I'm not going to say anything about any sides other than this. I got in trouble last week. I'm not going to say anything about any sides other than at the table out there is a list that you can sign up for the sides we need you to bring. You're welcome. (laughs) You bring it. I'll decide if I'm going to eat it or not. So you bring it, okay? So sorry for those that I offended last week. I'm an equal opportunity offender, I guess. Anyway, uh, Romans chapter 8. I'm, I better go on before I do get into trouble again. I already know I'm in trouble for something for the first service, so let's go on. Romans chapter 8. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, we keep some in the cabinet, uh, and you can, you can use that. If you don't own a Bible, then write your name in that. That's our gift to you. We want you to have that. If you have a smartphone or some kind of smart device that gets you on the web, uh, you can look up different apps. You can just Google Romans 8. And uh, it'll, it'll bring up different websites that have that. We use an app called Uversion. It's a free app. And uh, we actually put our notes in there for you to fill in and everything. But we've been, we've been tracking along, and we're in the third week of Life in the Spirit. And uh, we've been in this series called Identification. The, the series is part of the overall book of Romans. We've been going through verse by verse to understand what Paul is teaching us um, through what this letter he wrote to the uh, Christians in first century Rome. And he's been dealing with this concept, this idea of our identification. The last several weeks, we've been talking about walking in the Spirit. 
Paul talked about what it means to not have the Spirit. So he says that you know, if you're in Christ, you, you have the Holy Spirit. Because last week he said, but you who are in Christ, you have the Holy Spirit. You have the Spirit of God, which is alive in you. And because of that Spirit, you are children of God. If the Spirit is not in you, you are not a child of God. And so he starts really helping us understand what that means. And he says these words, in Christ. That means that our faith, our hope, our life has been placed in Christ. We, we have received salvation from Jesus. And salvation comes only through Jesus. He's the only name under heaven by which men can be saved. And so Paul's saying, when you have made that declaration of faith, then there's a spiritual transformation that happens that you are now in Christ. And because you are in Christ, the Holy Spirit is in you. And we talked about what that meant last week. <clears throat> This week, um, I want us to kind of understand a, a new truth that Paul's introducing in this passage as he's continuing to go through chapter 8. Chapter 8 is an incredibly deep, incredibly intense chapter of the book of Romans. And, and this week, we're going to look at this concept, concept and this idea that not only do we who are in Christ have the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit has us. That it's not just, you know, I possess the Spirit, but the Spirit possesses us. It's kind of, I am yours and you are mine type thing. Think about a marriage. I mean, I am not my own. I am my wife's. My wife is not her own. She is mine. We are one. That's, that's what a covenant of marriage is like. And this covenant that God makes with us says, I am yours and you are mine. And I, I started really thinking about <clears throat> what that means to have the Holy Spirit and for the Holy Spirit to have us and some of the work that, that he does in the life of a believer and what he does in the world. And the first thing that I was thinking through and what the Holy Spirit does for us is, is he convicts us. Uh, there, there's a moment where we really identify with the truth that we're a sinner. I mean, I think every one of us, whether you're in church or not, knows we're a sinner. And we, we pretty much know what, that what most of our sin is. We don't have to call that out publicly. But what happens is the Holy Spirit then draws us, and I believe he does it in a gentle way. He draws us into conviction to say, hey, there's an area that, 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 that really it's leaving you short. You know, I think what happens every week in churches is that the Holy Spirit is convicting people that, that sit in churches. I know, I know I get the blame for a lot of, like I say something that brings conviction and you're like, that pastor just preaches against this or anything. But, but the Holy Spirit's working on you. He's working on me. And he brings us to conviction. He calls us to conviction. And I think for some of us sitting in church, we've been sitting in church for a long time. And I think one of the convictions he's saying is, look, it is, church attendance isn't what leads to salvation. It, it, it isn't what makes you a Christian. And that conviction is, is bringing us to say, you know, religion's going to leave you short. It takes a relationship. And so through that conviction, what I love, the Holy Spirit just doesn't say, hey, this is wrong. That, that would be like me going to the hospital and them saying, you have cancer. Good luck. No, when I go to the hospital, they're going to bring treatment. They're going to work on bringing the cure. And that's what the Holy Spirit does. He says, okay, we've got an issue. Now, here's what happens. Let me reveal the truth. Let me reveal Jesus. Because 
Everything that has fallen short, here's Jesus and he gets you into that relationship. He brings that salvation. He brings that life. He brings that hope. He brings that peace. And so uh, he reveals Jesus and then the Holy Spirit imparts life in us. And it's that life that is truly life. As Jesus said, it's the abundant life. And so the work of the Holy Spirit, when he has us, he brings conviction in our life. He reveals Jesus and he imparts life. Do you know the power of the Holy Spirit works in the life of even, even before we come into a relationship with Jesus? Because the Holy Spirit brings the conviction into us. We're like, I have a need for a Savior. The Holy Spirit reveals our Savior and then imparts the life. So I love that work and the power of the Holy Spirit, but, but there's some things that the Holy Spirit works in us to do. And I'm gonna, I wanna read this and then we'll, we'll break it down. Uh, Romans chapter eight, verse 12. So then, and whenever you see so then, that's like a newer translation of therefore. You know, so you've heard my take on therefore. Whenever you see the word therefore, you need, need to see what's before it to see what it's there for. And so the previous passages that set up this context are you don't have the Spirit If you don't have the spirit, then you're not a child of God. And then he says, you, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. So Paul's Paul's tracking along this. And he says, so then, because you have the spirit, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. So Paul's kind of tracking through and he's gonna lay out some things that the Holy Spirit does, not just convicting us and revealing Jesus and imparting life, but some things he does practically in the life of us, in the life of a believer, in the life of those who are in Christ. And what, what, what he does is he brings the spirit of life. So we have the power of the spirit for life. So this life that he brings into us is a life that we cannot make on our own. Yeah, I I track from this from a a men's perspective, and I I can't speak from a woman's perspective, and I don't know if it's just me or if it's all men, but but there's there's a term that that we like to use to kind of give honor to another guy that he's a self-made man. Like, Like everything he did, he got it. I mean, he's built it. He's built his empire. He's done everything. And and maybe it's just me and men. We tend to put other guys on pedestals when we see that level of success in another guy's life. And we're like, I want to achieve and attain to be a self-made man. Here's what I can tell you that I have the ability to make myself. And we all share the ability to make this ourself is a self-made mess. I don't have the ability to create life. I don't have the ability to bring hope. (laughs) To be heard. Um, (laughs) That's God saying, yeah, all your ability comes from me. Um, I have the ability to make a mess. It's only the Spirit's power in us that gives us life. 
the word spirit is often translated pneuma, which means breath. It's God's breath. It's the power that brings life into us. Remember, God formed Adam from the dust and he breathed his spirit. He breathed life into Adam. We heard Trinity giving us really a, a, a prophetic word uh, from God through Scripture that, that this valley of the dry bones, that nothing existed but death, and it was the breath of God that brought life. And so the Spirit brings life in us. And what Paul's saying is because of that life, you don't have an obligation to the flesh. I don't have an obligation to, to, to be a self-made man. I don't have an obligation to live according to the desires of myself. <clears throat> Paul is, is doing something very interesting. He, he's using this truth, but he, in a negative way, to teach us a positive truth. Because he says, you don't have an obligation to the flesh. Where our obligation is, is to the spirit. And our obligation to the Spirit is to live each day in the control and the power of the Holy Spirit. So here's, here's how this practically works in my life. Before my feet hit the floor in the morning, I'm praying, God, give me your power and give me your ability. Fill me with your power to live today for your glory. Help keep myself out of the way so that it's you and you at work in me. And then my feet hit the carpet. And about six steps, I mean, it's like one, two, three, four, five, six. I'm having to do this. God, somehow between there and here, I've managed to get myself in the way. Help me to live in your power and in your grace and your strength and your ability. My obligation is the spirit. It's not, it's not so I'm trying to repay a debt. We think of obligations in terms of our debt. My obligation as a Christ follower is to glorify God with everything I do and to love him with everything I've got. That creates a holy obligation for me to live a life that brings him honor and glory. What I am supposed to do is refuse to follow the inclinations and desires of my own sinful nature. We all have a sinful nature. We all have the ability to get into a mess in this passage, it's calling it the flesh. We hear it some say sinful nature. And, and our, when we have the Holy Spirit giving us life, uh, our obligation and our inclination is not to give in to our flesh and give in to our sin nature. It's to say, God, I want what you want for me because the life that he has for us is better than anything that we can imagine on our own. And we will mess up. We do fall. And, and I'm telling you, I've been walking with God for a long time and I mess up. And then God brings that conviction into my life. He brings conviction into the life of somebody who is his, chil- is his child. And that conviction, I mean, some of you might have heard it as a conscience. I believe it's the Holy Spirit. And I think this, even dogs have a conscience. Here's how I can prove this. You guys post videos on Facebook and it becomes just this time warp for me. I mean, it's just a black hole that I fall into. And somebody posted a video, and here's where you know it gets bad. When you touch the video to show the video, and it takes you to YouTube, you know, the app does that thing, and you're like, oh, okay, an hour has just disappeared from my life. I am in the vortex. 
But there was a video the other day I was watching, and the owner of a dog was videoing the dog and the mess that the dog had made, and they were questioning the dog, did you do this? And the dog, you've seen the video, if not, just Google it. It'll be up on YouTube, and you can say goodbye to an afternoon. Um, But the dog's looking at the owner with this guilty look, like, I knew I did it. What are you going to do to me? Even a dog has a conscience. When we fall, when we stumble, the Holy Spirit's going to bring conviction, and we're just like, what do I do, God? We repent. We let his life continue to pour into us, continue to pump into us, because his life that he imparts is the only life that is truly life. And this isn't saying that, that when I have an inclination, when I, when I fall and deal with my sin nature as a Christ follower, it doesn't mean that it's a matter of, of hell. It doesn't mean that God's saying, okay, because you sinned and you are my kid, I'm now sending you to hell. It's not a matter of hell for a Christ follower. Here's what it's a matter of. It's, in, it's the ability to enjoy the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. Because he says, I have you. And when you live this way, we're, we're not in good connection. It, it's kind of like those of you who are married when you, there, there's a little bit of tension in the home, you know? Some of y'all might experience that, you know, tension in the relationship. Maybe it's with your kids, but a lot of times it's with spouses. It's just, we're good at that. And you're like, okay, I'm in my house, but I'm not enjoying some peace in my home. It might be quiet right now, but I know there's tension you know what I'm talking about. Most of us guys are oblivious to it. That's why we need our wives to help us. Thank you for helping us know that there's tension there. <laughs> we create it most of the time, and we got, let's own it, guys. I mean, I mean, it is what it is, but there's tension in the house. That's how life is with the Holy Spirit, because if I'm giving in to the desires of my sin nature, there's tension in, in, inside. And so I'm not able to live the life that he's called me to live and I'm not able to, to walk in that life that he has imparted. And when, when Paul says here that if you follow the desires of the flesh, you will die. Uh, like I said, it's not a matter of, of, of hell. And it doesn't mean necessarily that he's going to immediately kill you. What this translated is, is you are about to die. There, there is danger. There, there's peril in your relationship. And you need to do something about it. You're at the point of dying. And when you're at the point of dying, you need a power greater than yourself. You need a miracle. And that power only comes from the power of the Holy Spirit to impart life into us. And that's his power at work in me. So it's it's the Holy Spirit's power that gives us life. Now this next one, because I said Paul uses this truth and he teaches it in a negative way. He kind of spins it negatively. And let me kind of explain why he's doing that. Because he's going to teach us the ability of the Holy Spirit for death. And now this doesn't mean that when, when the conviction comes that, that, that the Holy Spirit's ready to kill you. Well, he wants to kill your flesh, but not kill you, okay? So take a deep breath. Some of us have this really skewed idea of God. And um, when I was getting ready for the camping trip, I spent some time on YouTube, you know, learning some camping tricks and things. And I found this video that I just had to watch. It was five ways to make fire with water. And so I invested that waste of time. I'll never get that time back. It was really four ways, four ways that are the same to make fire with water. And then the fifth way, you got to have a chemical. And if you're stuck in the woods, you ain't going to get that chemical anyway. So anyway, 
But it, what, it, what it basically is, the four ways that they said were four of the five ways, they filled some container with water that had a reflective quality. So they took a water bottle or, or the, the, what's the, the kitchen stuff that sticks to itself and only women can... Yes, saran wrap. Um, I can't ever get it to work. I've read the directions too and it doesn't work for me. But they take water and they, they create a magnifying glass effect and it, it catches whatever it's on fire. If you're a guy, you know what I'm talking about, especially the pyromaniacs that were on the camping trip. But you've taken a magnifying glass and you've held it over something. Most of the time it's ants or an insect, you know, and you're like, I'm going to fry this thing. Sadly, you could Google that too, I'm sure. Um, sadly, too many people think that's what God is doing. So when they think that the, the Holy Spirit has a power for death, they think that the whole, God is just standing over us with a magnifying glass going, as soon as you screw up, you're toast. Let me explain to you what Paul is saying here. He says, but if you put to death the deeds of the flesh, that translates but if you are putting to death the deeds of the flesh. Let me tell you something. I don't have the ability. I don't have the willpower. I don't have the strength to overcome my sinful desires by myself. As we've studied through the book of Romans, we see a truth that Paul introduces to us that those who are in Christ, he says, we have been crucified with Christ. We share in, it, in that crucifixion. And so there is, a, there, there is something in me that has to die in order for me to live for God's glory. I mean, Jesus said, if anyone's going to follow me, he must take up his cross, right? Well, taking up your cross is a death sentence. That meant I'm willingly, I'm walking myself to my death. Paul said, I die daily. So he realizes there's something in us that, that we need to die to in order to live for the glory of God. And that is the flesh. That The flesh is, is not our skin and bones, but it's that system inside. It's our sin nature. It's what we're born with that, that, are, that we're broken. And the Holy Spirit says, you know what? I have the ability to put that to death. That's the power of of the Holy Spirit in our life. You see, what, what's beautiful about it is it, it kind of brings in, this is where Paul, he says, uses the negative, it brings in the two, the spirit, power of spirit for life and the ability for death because the spirit puts to death the things of our flesh and then reproduces the things of the spirit. So there is a power greater than me that has me, that is at work in me, that is giving life, it is giving breath and, and pours life in so life pours out and helps me, gives me that ability to put to death the things that keep me from the fullness of God's glory, that keep me from living the life that he creates me to live. And it's just a beautiful thing. And then Paul goes on. He says, but you didn't receive the spirit to go back into to slavery. But he says, you've received the spirit of adoption, capital S. That there is a blessing in the spirit of adoption. That he says, you are called sons of God. And we can cry out to him, Abba, Father. I love how God's always taken us from something and to something. Uh, we talked a lot about this uh, a little while ago. But God takes us from death to life. He takes us from slavery 
to freedom. He takes us from orphans, not to adopted, but to sons and daughters. See, what I love about God is, is he has, uh, he doesn't differentiate. God doesn't have foster kids. God doesn't have adopted kids. God doesn't have stepkids. God doesn't have grandkids. God has kids. And he says, when you've received this blessing through the spirit of adoption, here's what that means. When you, when you translate that and study it, uh, it, it literally means being placed as an adult son. Let me help you with what that means because to bring this into context, in first century Rome and in the first century, the adult son had authority and power in the, in the household. This was a big deal for someone, for men in the first century to read this because it meant that they had the same privileges as the natural born sons. So even though this this adult male would be brought into the home and the father, the patriarch would say, you are now a part of this family, this means that they enjoy the same rights as all the sons, all the natural born sons. And we have a perfect father. It says we can cry out to him, Abba, Father. Abba is this, it's a term of affection, a term of endearment. It just means this, Papa. I mean, I know a lot of us wrestle in our prayer time and when we feel the weight and the conviction and, uh, of the Holy Spirit and we come to God or, or maybe you're praying for, I know we've got people in our community praying for jobs. We've got people in our community praying for health reports that we're supposed to hear this week and praying for kids and pregnancies and marriages and relationships. And we tend to come to God and we can bring everything to God. And he knows our heart. But we come to him and we kind of we doll this up like, Oh, Father, thou great God. And, you know, we, we tend to use all of these adjectives. And, and God said, hey, just call me Papa. Just call me Dad. That's the nature of our relationship because I have brought you in and you are placed as an adult son. Now, here's where the adult son uh, makes a big difference. When you think about babies, babies can't walk, babies can't speak, babies can't make decisions, babies can't sign checks. When God places us as adult sons, we have the ability to talk to God, to converse with God, to walk in the spirit, to make decisions based on what the spirit wants and discern what he wants. And we have the ability to cash in on his resource and his wealth. And we have the ability and the authority to, to have access to everything that he has. That's why he places us as adult sons. And then it gets even more beautiful that Paul just brings illumination. He says, look, you're not alienated. You're a son. You're an adult son. You have the authority. You have the power. You have the privilege. You have the responsibility. And I'm not, I'm not saying, when, to the ladies in the room, I'm not saying we just lean towards the sons. This really translates gender specific or gender neutral because... The women had really no rights in this society of this context. And it's the spirit of adoption that is for all people, children. And he looks at us with the authority and the place in the family as 
a natural born adult son, that, that even the women hearing this in first century Rome are encouraged because they think, I have a place. And it gets even more beautiful. He says, not only are you children, but you are heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. Which means all I have is yours. Every spiritual blessing you can draw upon now. I, I was reminded of, in studying through this, the story of the prodigal son. You remember the prodigal son? Went to his dad, said, Dad, I want my inheritance now, and I'm out of here. Obviously, if you haven't heard the story, it goes south, squanders it all, ends up having to come back to his father in humility. And he's like, if I could just have a job in my father's house, if I could be one of his hired workers, he treats his workers better than I'm getting treated right now. So he comes back, and I love what he comes back with the humility and the repentance, and his father shuts him down. He says, no, 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 son, son, you're mine, and I'm yours. And he says something to his son that I think we need to realize about what the Spirit having us, all I have is yours. All I have is yours. You're an heir, you're a co-heir with Christ. You're a son and daughter of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And he says, all I have is yours. And you have all that is mine. And when we forget that, I love what Paul says, that the Spirit testifies with our spirit to the fact that we are his kids and he is our father. That he connects with our groaning and he says, I'm praying for you. And then Paul says that that we will share in his glory, but we also have to share in his sufferings. Let, Let me help you with what that means. It's just... God being totally honest and saying, look, there's going to be suffering in life. I could enjoy the sunshine yesterday because of the rain I endured on Friday. I could enjoy my nice, warm, dry bed last night because of sleeping in a wet tent Friday night. Into every life, rain's going to fall. The Holy Spirit never promises us to isolate us and insulate us from pain and suffering. He promises to be with us. And he says, if you will share in the present sufferings of Christ, you will share in his future glory. And we're going to talk more about the future glory next week. But this suffering is, what does it mean to follow Christ? Because Jesus said, take up your cross and follow me. You need to count the cost of following Jesus, that that there will be suffering. And let me tell you something. When there is suffering, um, we have hope. I remember when Jesus was talking to Peter, and he says, hey, Satan's asked to sift you like wheat, but I've prayed for you. Okay, if if Jesus is telling me Satan's ready to sift you like wheat, I'd be like, "But but your power... I have the authority, right? So in the name of Jesus, the enemy must flee, right? So I don't want to be sifted. Jesus didn't stop it. He said this, I've prayed for you. The Holy Spirit intercedes on our behalf. So through everything we face and everything we struggle with and everything we celebrate, the Holy Spirit says this, I've prayed for you. And I'm going to pray for us. And I I pray that this morning 
maybe it's the first time you realize that, that God does have me. Whatever problem you walked in with, God has it. Whatever suffering you're walking through, God has it. Whatever celebration you're walking with, because there's a, some great things going on in our church community, and I'm going to celebrate that. I'm, I'm going I'm I'm to be balanced here, because life isn't all suffering, but there's celebration. So if you brought that in, I'm going to celebrate with you. And the Holy Spirit says, I prayed for you. So I think this, God loves us too much for it to be too bad for too long. And God loves us too much for it to be too good for too long. He wants us to live in the balance. And he wants us to walk and live life in the spirit. I'm gonna pray for you, but here's what I want you to close your eyes and bow your heads for me. I wanna do something here a little bit. Before I pray for you, let me, let me just kind of talk to you and, and just, just get quiet for a minute and put, put the lunch plans out of your head. Put, put all the stuff. Maybe it is the problem that you walked in with. Maybe it's the thing that's keeping you up at night. Clear that out. I just want you to ask God, God, just, just clear my head. Help me to receive you. And, and maybe you've never had a relationship with Christ. And, and here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to challenge you. I'm going to encourage you because I can't do it. I can't bring life. Only the Holy Spirit can. And that comes through salvation. And so our prayer team is going to come up and if you need a relationship with Christ, if you need salvation, then I want you to come and talk to one of them. And, and you, it doesn't have to be anything weird. Just say, I need Jesus. I need hope. I need life. That's the code word this morning for the altar. We'll give it to you there. I need life. And if, if you're too scared, somebody will come with you. Or if you're too scared, just put on that card. I need life so we can contact you and pray with you. Or maybe you've got a relationship and you're in Christ, but man, you're just, it's the valley of dry bones for you this morning. Just come up. Tell one of our prayer team, I need breath. I'm out of breath. Whatever is going on, and those aren't the only things that you could come up and pray for. Whatever is going on, you have people that want to pray with you and pray for you and stand with you. They want to celebrate with you, and they will walk through the suffering with you. And I'm going to pray for you, and I'm going to pray that, that just life just pours into you so that life can be poured out of you. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for your word and the truth of your word. Thank you that not only do you say that we have the spirit, but you say the spirit has us. So there's a beautiful reciprocity in the relationship. And I pray for those in this room this morning. I pray for my friends in the, that have no life. Yes, we're breathing and we're moving, but there's no life that's been poured into us. And I just pray you give them the courage to step forward and ask for that life. Pray for my brothers and sisters that are out of breath. They feel like this to dry bones. And I, I pray you give them 
the courage to call out to you and, and to step out. More so, just, just call out. I need breath. Pour into me. Bring life. God, I pray that you bring a recollection that we are your kids and that you love us. I pray that we leave here better understanding how to walk in the Spirit and live life in the Spirit as your sons and daughters. Help us to put to death the things that need to be put to death and live life that needs to be lived. We love you and we thank you. We pray all this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Creek Church Podcast. If you would like more information about us, please visit our website at thecreekfw.com. Thank you.